If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. Previously in Romans, um, I think we've gone through the first five chapters and we're on chapter six, correct? Correct? Okay. So Romans chapter six uh, begins with... Uh, the freedom from the power of sin in your life. We've learned in the previous chapters of the freedom from the penalty of sin, but now we're going to go into learning more about the freedom from the power and dominion of sin in your life. So we'll start in chapter 1, I mean in verse 1 of chapter 6. Verse 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? I love how Paul starts this out with a question, and it's, it's a question that is uh, it's trying to cause a prevention of misunderstanding. You know, he's asking a question in order to bring understanding to the thought, but I, I kind of feel like, you know, when we're up here speaking, and I know he was writing this, but when we're up here speaking to you, sometimes we say things and we see everybody's faces and we can tell what everybody's thinking. And I almost feel like this question comes from a previous verse that he wrote that he's like, okay, now I know what you're going to be thinking on that. And when you back up to, to chapter 5, verse 20, where it says, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, it's like Paul is now thinking about that, that scripture that he wrote, and he's like, Okay, so what are you thinking? That we're going to continue in sin so that grace may abound? But then he answers his own question, and he says, Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And even though our salvation doesn't depend on our success in quitting the sin, there are aspects of our life that do, and so we'll get into that a little bit further. But I think it's, I think it's funny that we, we have to ask that question when salvation is the thing that we are being saved from is the sin and the effects of sin in our life. Yet, why would we want to turn back to the very thing that salvation is taking us out of? Well, I can answer that. Because flesh. Because flesh. And we'll get into that a little bit, a little bit more in, in, uh, further down in the chapter. Uh, but in verse 3, it says, Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Paul helps us understand here the, the vital importance of water baptism. We're not justified through baptism, but it has everything to do with the new life that we're to walk in. And um, just like when a butterfly emerges from a cocoon, in order to live like the butterfly life it's supposed to have, it can't drag that old crusty cocoon away around with it. It has to leave it. It, That that cocoon has to go so that it can live in the fullness of the butterfly life. Um, As a believer, you were crucified with Christ. That is the old you. You participated in a death, burial, and resurrection, just as Jesus did, but it was the death to your old man and the burial that you experience in water baptism. And it's more than just symbolic. It really is a tangible outward expression of the salvation experience that you had. And um, I tend to be a very, like, practical, and I like to see, I like, 
you know, I, I'm a woman of faith, don't get me wrong, but I like to see things. I like to see proof of things. You know, when someone gets miraculously healed, I like it when they have the x-rays to prove it. You know, I just like to lay my eyes on it. And I've always tended to be this way. And they say that people like that are the hardest to um, get saved, really, because it's, cause faith is not something that you can see. But and I, I didn't really have that problem, but I do like the tangible things. I like that we can tangibly bring an offering and worship the Lord with something that we can do physically. I like that. And so water baptism is a tangible proof of your salvation experience. You know, unsafe people aren't going around baptizing each other. What would be the point of that? Um, so that's the, that's the burial part of the of that we participate with in Christ, and then the resurrection part is the new life that we then walk in. Verse 5 says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been free from sin. Have you, have you ever visited a cemetery and you've seen on some of the, uh, the graves like a bottle of Jack Daniels or like a pack of cigarettes or maybe an open can of beer? Isn't that silly? Is that the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen? And if you've ever done that, just avoid eye contact and we'll both pretend that you didn't. But, <laughs> but you go and you think, that person's dead. Their flesh no longer craves those things that they once craved. And it doesn't even have to be stuff like that. It can be anything. Uh, you know, like Pastor Eric's grandfather, Jennifer's grandfather, he loved fried catfish. But when he passed away and we buried him, we didn't go throw a bunch of fried catfish on his grave. That's ridiculous. The part of him that desired that is no longer with us. And so... Um, the deceased have no needs for, for the things that they once desired, desired in the flesh. And as Christ was died and buried and resurrected, where he is seated in heavenly places, the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. So it is our job to have the heaven kind of life here on earth. And desiring those things that our old nature once desired is not going to bring us into the newness of life that we are created to live in. Um, on to verse 8, it says, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Knowing that Christ, sorry, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Because Jesus will die no more, then you will die no more. He is our assurance of eternal life. As long as he is alive, you are alive. As a believer, your life is just as eternal as Jesus' life. Amen? All right, verse 10. For, and I'm going to read through 13 on this part. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead, to sin, dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey in its lusts, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Yeah. I need three volunteers for this demonstration. Ryan, come on, come on. 
and Brian and Stephen. And you can stand in no particular order, um, yeah, face out, and then that way, when I label you, it's not, you, you put yourself in that order, let's just remember that. Um, but real quick, I want to point out that in verse 11, it says, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That word reckon comes from the same word that's used in Genesis 15, 6 when it says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. That, same, that word reckon is the same word counted there. Reckoning's not claiming a promise, but it's acting on a fact. God does not command us to be dead to sin. He tells us that we already are. Just like when he told Abraham that he was made righteous, he, he already was. He wasn't trying to uh, obtain righteousness. All right, here's my three volunteers here. We have spirit, soul, and body. These three guys represent the three parts that make up you. We have this guy, the spirit. He's perfect in every way the day that you... <laughs> right, Jonna. The day that you... <laughs> the day that you got saved... Your spirit was made perfect, and there's nothing that you can do to change that. There's nothing that sin can do to change the perfection of your spirit. This guy is soul. He is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. He is the one who decides what he's going to think on, what he's going to speak about, and how he's going to act. This guy, he's flesh. He's the one that has um, all of the wrong desires. He, <laughs> I told you that you were putting yourself in the order. <laughs> and he's going to try to influence this guy as much as possible. He wants this guy to be focused on him and what he thinks about and what he feels like is a good idea. But your life will go in the direction that this guy is focused on. Turn your head towards Brian. The more that this guy is focused on him, the less effect this guy can have on this guy. The more that he is following him and seeking, seeking God and, and building this, the less this guy can drag him down. But the moment that this guy whispers something to this guy and turns his attention and gets him headed in that direction, it renders this part of his life flatlined. Not that his spirit dies. I, that's not what I mean by that. But there's, he can bear no fruit when he's focused on the flesh. Amen? And so that's what... Y'all can go ahead and sit down. Thank you. It's, great job at being perfect, Brian. And so that's where, that's where our lives as a believer, yeah, the sin, the sin no longer affects our right standing with God as far as us going to heaven or not, but it does affect who we are in the life we live here on this earth. And we've got to keep that in mind, that we've got to keep our eyes focused on the righteousness that we are and rather than the old man that, we, that wants to still play a part in our life. Yielding yourself to righteousness simply means that you give no response to the temptation of sin. It doesn't mean that temptation goes away. 
If that's what you thought when you got saved, sorry, somebody lied to you. Because there's still going to be temptation. Now, it may not be the same temptations that you dealt with as an unbeliever. And those temptations may, may diminish, but there will be new temptations. You know, where, where one, at one, one point you may have really struggled with drug addiction or things like that. Maybe there's something more like self-pity that gets a hold of you now. It, it may change a little bit. <clears throat> but there's always going to be a temptation of sin, and as long as you just give no response to that and you follow the Spirit instead, you'll, you're headed in the right direction. Sometimes, though, you have to take measures to help yourself give no response to the temptation of sin. I know, um, now this is a really long time ago, but I used, to, I used to love to smoke. I smoked and I liked it. I didn't want to quit. I, I um, you know, when, when Miss Ann Holler is your mother-in-law and, and walks in on you smoking and, and up to that point didn't know you smoked, that changes things. That kind of <laughs> made me want to quit. But for a long time, I, I just didn't want to quit. I had, you know, even, even when she found out I smoked and said she was praying for me, I just kind of said, okay, thanks. Thanks for praying. Not going to happen, you know. That's just where I was. Um, but... Before I was married, and I would uh, some occasionally enjoy a beer. Now, I wasn't a heavy drinker, but I liked beer. I always, I always have. I've always liked the taste of it. But what I, what I liked when having a beer was also having a cigarette with it. And so when one of the first times I decided to quit smoking, I was at my cousin's wedding, and I came from a big Catholic family, so weddings are a big party. So I was having a beer at my cousin's wedding, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, I want a cigarette really bad. Well, I discovered at that point that having a beer wasn't a great idea when I was, on, when I was pursuing quitting smoking. So there's some things. Now, guys, this is a long time ago. Some of you are looking at me. And I know I've made jokes to some of you about how much I loved smoking, and I did, but it's, it's far in my past, I promise. But there are some things that... Um, some, sometimes you have to take measures in order to, to not give the response to the temptation of sin. And if you consider, if you've buried that old man and you've considered yourself dead to worry or anger, losing your temper, demanding perfection from your loved ones, overeating, misuse of prescription drugs, excessive drinking, gossiping, criticism, stealing, little white lies, even self-pity, all right, I'll stop there. Then you choose not to let that sin be a part of your life. If you'll consider yourself dead to those things, big or little, that you've dealt with, then you can choose to not let them be a part of your life. Maybe even it's, it's the way that you respond to somebody else's shortcoming. Maybe there's somebody in your life who's really controlling, and every time they try to they get into that controlling mode, the way that you respond to them, maybe that, that's something that you could change. But all of us have things that, uh, shortcomings, I'll just call it that, that we, can, that we can improve upon. And you know what, I just right now in this moment want to tell you that I think that there's a grace. I think there's a grace present right now that if you have a habit or, a, or an attitude that you'd like to change, just submit to, I'm not going to ask anyone to raise their hand, we're not going to do an altar call, but just in this moment I'm going to ask you to submit that to God. And I believe there's a grace present right now 
for that, that it's not, no longer going to be a struggle for you, that just right now, if you decide that that's something that you're going to consider yourself dead to, that God's grace is available for you. Yes. You know, years ago, my father-in-law, Pastor John, <clears throat> um, some of you know him as Dr. Holler, he, he uh, dipped or, no, chewed, I guess it was chewing tobacco, right? He, um, he chewed tobacco, and he started serving the Lord, and his mother, Grandma Holler, who is the reason that the Holler family is serving the Lord today, she, she didn't tell him, now, John, you're serving the Lord. You need to quit chewing. She told him this. She said, when the Holy Spirit tells you to stop, because she's a praying mom and she knew the Holy Spirit would eventually tell him to stop, if you'll put it down at that moment, there will be a grace for you and you won't struggle with it. And he said, okay. And he was just fine with that because as long as he could keep chewing... He didn't, I don't know if he didn't believe the Holy Spirit would eventually say that, but he said, all right. Well, one day he bought a fresh pack of chew and had one that was barely open. And he was headed out. He worked on the Santa Fe Railroad and he was headed out on a train and he heard the Holy Spirit say, now's the time. And he thought, oh, I have an almost new pack and a brand new pack, and now is the time that you're asking me to put this down. But he remembered what his mom said to him, that God's grace would be available at that moment if you'll put it down. And so he took those packs, and he buried it under trash in the trash can because he didn't want anyone to see this crazy man throwing away two brand new packs of chew. He buried it under there, and he walked away from it, never again being even tempted by chewing tobacco. So I just felt like at that moment there was a grace available for you if you had something that you wanted to walk away from or put down. Um, <laughs> so it's more though than just overcoming sin and walking away from sin. There's a reason that God wants us to eliminate the sin in our life and, and the, the temptation of sin in our life. And as we move on into chapter 14, we're going to get into a few of those things. Chapter, I mean, verse 14, <clears throat> the first thing that God has available for you is favor. Chapter 14, I mean, verse 14 and 15 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. It's because of his grace that we yield ourselves to him, and, and because of who he is to us and what he's done for us. And even though our love is the motivation for us to serve him, it's his favor towards us that brings us the power and gives us the ability not to sin. Grace isn't just, it's not a license. You all know that. You've been in this church long enough to know that. And it's not even a, an eraser. It doesn't just erase the sin in your life. But it's an empowerment to overcome the sin in your life. And that's, that's just because it's his favor. Grace is his favor. Another thing that the grace of God brings you and, and righteousness brings you is freedom. Verse 16 through 20 says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey? You are the ones slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obey, obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you become slaves of righteousness." I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. I love Paul. 
He's like, I'm talking to you like this because this is the level you can understand it. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Well, that's not the freedom I want to experience, is free, free in regard to righteousness. You know, this reminds me of the prodigal son. And I think most of you probably know this story, but he, he left his father's house. This was a house, his father had abundance of everything. He had servants, they had plenty. It was, it was a pretty luxurious life, especially for a son in that home. Well, he decided one day that he wanted to be out from under his father's roof, and he wanted to go live free. And he took his inheritance, and he went, and he drank, and he had all the ladies, and he did what he wanted for a time until it was squandered, and he found himself in a position where he was enslaved to just getting by. He, he wasn't even able to feed himself decently. He was eating with the pigs. And he got to a place where he realized that even the lowest guy on the totem pole at his dad's house lived in more freedom than he was living in. And so he decided he was going to go back and submit himself to his father's house once again, even if he had to come in at the very bottom. And thank God his dad was a gracious man who not only brought him back, but celebrated him returning home and brought him back in as a son. And he realized where the true freedom was. Because we truly experience freedom when we become slaves to righteousness. You know, when we talk about slavery, we, freedom isn't our first thought. But when you're a slave to righteousness, there's all the freedom in the world in that. The third thing is found in verses 21 through 23. So far we've got favor, freedom, and now fruit. Verse 21 through 23 says, What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death, but now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit <clears throat> to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Your old ways may have produced fruit that brought shame or regret or even just brought you nothing. Maybe you didn't live a, an extremely sinful life that that caused you to have a lot of things that you regret. Maybe it's just nothingness. But your, new, your newness of life that you walk in can produce fruit that glorifies God, gives purpose to your life, and brings everlasting joy. Amen? Yes. So your life as a Christian isn't to be lived to try to avoid sin. It's here, you're here to accomplish something. God has yeah. gifted you and empowered you to live simple, sinless, not because for the sake of being sinless. He's done that so that you can accomplish what he's called you to do because each yeah. one of you has a very unique and special call on your life and he wants to give you all the power in the world to achieve what he's given you to yeah. achieve. Amen? Amen? Well, that's it. You knew it would be short and sweet with me preaching, right? <laughs> I even warned Pastor Eric, before service, I said, all right, whatever you got for those kids to do, do it fast, because I'm preaching tonight. Anyway, I just want to thank y'all for being here. Pastor Eric will be here on Sunday, and I want to pray over you before you go. Father in heaven, we thank you for this word. We thank you, Lord, for your great grace. And Lord, we thank you that you've given us the ability to rise above any temptation that comes our way. And Lord, we receive every good thing that you have for us. 
We receive the call that you've given us and everything that you have for us to accomplish. We thank you for it and we say, yes, we will. And Lord, I thank you that you bless every person that came in here tonight, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be on them, that as they go, that this word would, would build in their lives and that, that we would see fruit from it in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for blessing every household represented here, that they would be blessed abundantly of every good thing that you have for them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Y'all have a good night. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We would like to invite you to one of our service times in either McKinney or Dallas. Sunday mornings in McKinney at 9.30 and 11, and Wednesday evenings at 7, and in Dallas, 10.30 Sunday mornings, and our 1 o'clock One Cause Dallas Espanol service. You can find out more information about our church at onecausechurch.com. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, there is also a link on the front page of our website.